Welcome, everybody, to another episode of It's Okay to Feel. We have two wonderful guests. Uh, this is the first time that we have a, an international guest joining us that's outside of, of, of America. We uh, don't realize how much uh, reach that It's Okay to Feel has um, until you start um, looking at some emails and understanding that uh, we do reach people uh, outside of, of of America or even outside of Orange County, California, and and uh, we're really excited to have two guests to talk about a really heavy issue, uh, trauma, and um, overcoming trauma, and that's something that is a process and that we'll kind of get into on in both of their uh, stories, but uh, my name is Ed Portillo, I'm the program manager here at NAMI Orange County. And uh, we help families, uh, parents, and individuals that are affected by mental illness at NAMI Orange County. And we have classes, mentoring programs. We have a support line. And all of our information of what we do is at our website at namioc.org, namioc.org. Um, and this is this is okay to feel. This is our, our uh, podcast about mental health and all the different uh, topics that intersect it. And I, I really wanted to um, take a moment to, um, to talk about this subject because it's, it is something that uh, trauma affects an individual's mental health in so many ways. And it's uh, oftentimes when you talk to survivors, people that have went through it and they're, they're, they're still um, resilient, they're still thriving. Um, there's something that we can all take away about that and, and how we can work through that and how people that are in a, a, maybe a bad place right now can have a sense of hope, a sense of, uh, of, of looking forward to the next day, because that's what it really, what it's all about. So let's jump into this uh, conversation, but first I want to introduce our, our guests. First, I want to introduce our international guest, uh, Marina, Marina Carrier. So Marina, can you uh, give a, a brief introduction of, of who you are and, and, and uh, tell, tell us, uh, tell us more about you. Well, I, I, I'm living in Scotland now and um, cutting a, a long story short, um, after a, a, a traumatized childhood, um, which the, 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 the major trauma finished around about nine but then I was left with the aftermath um, and God what God did after a period of um, depression he led me into my mind and I became instead of a failure at school I became highly successful and he led me into um, um, becoming a teacher and uh, so I was, I, I had uh, 20 plus years in education, going through schools of different ages and abilities. It was never a, like, I'm going on this career path. It was like, woo, it's like the Holy Spirit, you know, <laughs> I like being on a wave, you know, and I, I'd be washed up here and then I was washed up there. And, you know, this went, this went pear-shaped. So I went into special needs. You know, it was, it was all very um, orchestrated from above and not in any worldly terms. But I did finish up um, doing a PhD, which I didn't ask for. I was offered it after doing a, a master's degree, which I needed to do because I didn't have a first degree. I mean, it was all, you know, mis messy and mismatched in terms of, you know, having a nice career path. Um, and um, I, it was when I was head of department in a, the acting head of department in a polytechnic for um, for uh, in-service teachers that I really faced had to face up. Uh, and the man I'd been living with didn't want to marry me, so I was on my own. And I had to face up to the fact that I'd got stuff inside that I had to deal with because I didn't have any inner strength at all, none at all. And uh, and that's when really when God brought me back and then brought me back into the church. So because um, I hadn't been in the church at all, um, all those years, I'd been his, but I hadn't been in the church. So um, it, it was a it, it's been a journey of of, of transform transformation. But the latterly, 
since he's been dealing with me, my internal life, it's been a reintegration with the grace he gave me in education, the grace to write, um, the grace to create, um, you know, papers and, you know, logical things. But now always with uh, an awareness, because that's what he's done for me, the effects of the trauma brain, the effects of, on the mental health, as you, you were talking about, Edward, you know, all those things and helping people who might be reading them, you know, to face their pain and say, it's okay. It's okay. Look, you know, this is what com will come out of it. doesn't matter if this is how you're behaving now, because you will, with the grace of God, be able to do this. So it's it the 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 books he led me to write were really a reflection on facing and listening to my pain and then coming to forgive, to bless, you know, to break all the curses, you know, in Christ, really, he is everything. So, um, yep. Great. so that's basically me and I now live, yep. I, I live by his instructions, really. <laughs> well, it's a wonderful summary. Um, now, our next guest too is is a wonderful um, uh, person, and and has a, a, a I really or I, she's an inner own voice presenter. So I've heard her story uh, different times in in uh, different contexts, and it's always been uh, very impactful and very, you know, one of the most you know hopeful stories as well because of of uh, of where she's been and where she's at now. Uh, I want to give a, a moment for Shelly. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself? Absolutely. Um, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Shelly Armenta. I'm a peer support specialist and mental health advocate. I live in Orange County with my beautiful family. Um, and something that led me to where I'm at today um, as a both a peer support specialist and advocate in the mental health community is that I'm also a trauma survivor. Much like Marina, I survived a very um, traumatic childhood and um, that has been a very impactful experience beyond the um, youth of my life. Um, I've had to learn to deal with the consequences of it and um, and face how to get through it in a, in a recovery fashion. So um, I'm definitely not an expert on trauma, but I'm an expert on my recovery from trauma. So I'm just honored to be here and share my story and, and my little piece of um, the puzzle. So thanks again, Ed. Yeah, no, I'm glad. And let's, let's, we're going to kind of do the format of like an inner own voice uh presentation but this is going to be more of like a long form conversation i just was thinking that that might be the best way of kind of getting to the core of of trauma and even um overcoming it and and being a uh, and and the hopeful aspect of it too so you know i, I want to talk about you know what happened uh, maybe we can just start off with the story with everyone um where where that where that goes so um, Marina, do you want to just tell us what happened? What What is your story? Well, I, I mean, I can I can now tell you the story, but I didn't consciously grow grow up knowing it, if you know what I mean. But I was um I was a failed abortion. Um, I was illegitimate, born during the war, Second World War. I'm not that old, you know. It wasn't the First World War, and um um. My mother's husband was away uh, in the army. Um, and when he came back, then there started to be abuse from him. But I was, you know, terribly needy because my mother just, she she didn't have anything to give. She must have been really very depressed. And, you know, I'm not making excuses for her. I'm just understanding, you know, where she was. And, um, so, I mean, my birth was a miracle because a friend had invited her and the other two children to go to the pictures, and it was Bambi. So I was born, the waters broke during Bambi. Can you imagine? She must have relaxed because she was looking at the film. And I was, I was the result, so they used to call me Bambi in the hospital. 
but nevertheless you know the the the, the she couldn't give me anything really she had nothing no love to give me and it was my sister who, who sort of took me into her room and things like that so mm. um it was a very unloved um childhood and then um, abuse started when my stepfather came back home um and then when i was nine he he um he silenced me because i was trying to stop him and um nearly drowned me at the same time so I mean, it was pretty horrible, really. And um, but what it did, the the worst thing, which is only in the last few years that this has really come to come to the surface. When he did what he did, uh, it stopped me having any volition. It stopped me having any will for good, because I wasn't able to stop him. He didn't stop when I wanted him to stop. You know, want 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 anyone anymore, and um, so that's been a big, big, big thing in my life. I mean, I'm sure um, Shelley maybe has got you know similar stories. It it takes such a uh, a chunk out of one's sense of being, mm. and um, it it's a major, major thing, um, particularly of course with male authority, and um, I think. I think that's that's been the big thing that I've needed to grow through. But what happened after, as I say, I was depressed after this near-death experience. Um, but then I started becoming involved at school and, you know, and my mind was being used. And it's that mystery of what was a saving grace at one time becomes destructive in the end. So I had to reach that point where I had to let go of I can cope, I can do it, I can, you know, I've got a will to, will to live, I can blah, 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 and, and actually let go of that, that controlling, because it became controlling, it rather than self-control. Mm. Um, so that was the that was the you know I mean I think that was the possibly the hardest time in my life and my husband yeah. had been faith, unfaithful and you know there was abuse there as well but you know it just related it all took me back to to what my stepfather had done um, mm. you know when he lied to me and then in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve when we got people staying you know he told me the truth that was this was my husband and. Um, I mean, maybe Shelley has memories like this as well, but no. I actually remember my body, and there's probably a neuro, neuro, neurological explanation. It was like fireworks going off all over my body as as my husband's betrayal sort of hit me. Um, and um, so I... You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> I yeah. I'm not I'm not covering up the pain. I felt all the pain. I can now say glory to god you know right. that i've worked through this you know yeah and and we're going to talk about the the working through this yeah. uh, process because it is yeah. a it is an amazing story that that we we've talked about before prior to um us uh going into the, the recording here but i wanted to give shelly the opportunity to also tell um you know share what 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 happened with how your story yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so for me, it was it it all started in childhood, um, and it it started pretty early on. I was born into a pretty chaotic family. Um, on the outside, everything looked um, pretty good. My dad was a pastor at the local church. He was really well respected. My mom led the um, the nursery um, program at the church. So again, she was pretty well respected. But behind closed doors, there was um, a lot of diagnosed and untreated mental illness, um, a lot of trauma that was untreated, um, and then a lot of trauma that was treated with self-medicating through um, drugs and alcohol. So... 
as you can imagine with that recipe, it was very chaotic. It was very turbulent, a lot of violence. Um, I had two older brothers and a half sister. So growing up, um, I watched them struggle through their version of growing up in the in the home. Um, and both of my older brothers turned to drugs like our parents. Mm -hmm. um, they acted out a lot. They got kicked out of school. Um, and that was really hard on me because as a little one, um, in the face of everything, my my brothers were kind of my my normalcy and um my comfort for a little bit at least and so seeing them get kicked out of the house or having them just gone because they were locked up in juvie overnight was really traumatic for me in and of itself um because it was so unstable and inconsistent i never knew who i could count on and how long they would be there for um and fast forward to us growing up, um, you know, and, and me becoming a preteen, that's when things turned from just being a toxic environment that was traumatic to, to be a part of, but um, abuse started coming at me directly. Um, uh, that happened in the home. Unfortunately, there was different types of abuse. There was verbal abuse at the hands of my mother, physical abuse at the hands of my mother, um, sexual abuse at the hands of my older brother, sexual abuse at the hands of my uncle, um, and then some friends of my brothers once they became teenagers. And again, this all just led to a very chaotic and, and scary environment. I never knew what day was gonna be safe, if it was gonna be a safe day. Um, and to be very honest with you, most days weren't safe, so, uh, growing up like that, constantly watching over your shoulder, being on hypervigilance for every noise. I knew every sound in that house. I knew every door. I knew every lock. I knew every window sound. Um, and I trained myself that way because I had to. Yeah. And the hypervigilance is something that as a 34-year-old, I still have to work myself through because I see how it can negatively impact my parenting choices or um, at work sometimes it gets in the way and I have to really take a step back and realize, okay, this isn't serving me anymore. Maybe back then I needed it and it, and it was very important to my survival, but I'm, I'm not in that mode anymore. And I, I can take a breath. I can take a step back. I have safety in, in a way I did it when I was a child. So um, yeah, that that's kind of what happened at least in the, in the childhood sense, I, I was able to get out of that home at the age of 17, thank God. Um, but unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to get out of the relationships with my family for about another decade. Um, but it's been about seven, eight years that I've had no contact with my birth family. And in that time, I can uh, gratefully say I've been able to pursue my therapy. I've been able to pursue different um, recovery choices that weren't allowed for me when I was under their realm. I've been able to take medication and get my diagnoses and um, learn about PTSD and learn how to treat it and how to live with it. And um, again, not just be an advocate for myself and my own recovery, but also be an advocate for others um, that are impacted in a similar way, but also not make the same mistakes that people in my family did. Um, that I Learning that I have better choices and I have better options. They might be harder. They're not always the easy option, but they are the better option in the long run. And, um, you know, just passionately pursuing that is what keeps me going at this point. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about that, about both of you kind of, um, you know, talked about the past and, and your childhood and, and, and also what you're doing now. And I want to talk about the, the, that transition of, of acceptance. Can you talk a little bit about um, at what point did you accept the, the where, where you were the, the trauma to know that you needed help or that 
it, it kind of clicked where you, you, it started working, whatever you were doing. And Marina, do you, do you have a moment or do you have a, 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 a process where you kind of came to acceptance or has it been a, a long process of acceptance? It's been, it's been really a long process, except there was a point when I was head of department where I'd been asked by a member of staff um, if she could put on a day for serving teachers on recognizing symptoms of child abuse. And it didn't mean anything to me, right? And I said, of course, I think that's a wonderful idea. Do you want me to front the day for you? Yes, please, she said. And at the end of the day, I was a quivering wreck. So that's how God got in to open up my awareness that there was something that wasn't right. So there was a, a process, you know, from then on. And I was already in, I think by then I was already in the church. And um, But God never allowed me to be full-time in anybody else's hands. So I never had a long-term counsellor. I never had a long-time, you know, psychotherapist or anything. And the first woman who was absolutely brilliant from the church that I was at by then, she said, I have never had worked with anybody with whom God has so interfered. <laughs> he said, she said, I haven't, I've been guided by him, not by what I know all the time. And I think I was so broken and so potentially dependent on anybody who was kind to me that he didn't want that he wanted me to stay dependent on him so you know i i from from that time when i was starting to deal with the fact that i you know, that i had this real issue um i then reached a point where i'd got all the new in-service courses and staff and examining things and everything in place. And then when they were advertising for a full-time uh, head of department, I said, I'm not going to apply. And neither was I going to go back into second in, in department. I wanted to go and do student support. Um, but then I, I, couldn't, I couldn't cope with it because the, the polytechnic didn't really want to give me hours for student support because they didn't value it. Uh, they just gave me hundreds of hours doing teaching practice supervision, which is very, very stressful because you're dealing with students and members of staff in schools who were phenomenally stressed because of the national curriculum being introduced in. in um, I mean, it's why my, my boss had had a breakdown. That's why I became acting head of the department because of all the, the, the stress in schools. So, um, you know, that that's really where I knew there was something wrong. Mm. And um, and although I had a sort of awareness that I could have stepped sideways and continued doing my external examining work, which I loved, absolutely adored. It was just, it was like breathing for me. It just was, I loved the staff, I loved the pupil, the students, it was wonderful. I could have done that and made enough money, but I just, I, I, in the end, I was wanting to resign and they gave me um, early retirement. Hmm. So I then had to deal with it full time. Yeah. And, and uh, I think that's uh, interesting in the sense that uh, when you, when you're given that task of, focusing on child abuse for for the class it had nothing you know it didn't click until you started to really dive into it and then realize that there is more to it there's something there that you got to work on there's something there yeah. that's, that's going to affect your life yeah and i wonder i wonder shelly too how, what did acceptance look like um in, in your context for me acceptance has definitely been a journey um and it's been layered um I had to first accept that what happened to me happened. 
And um, as easy as that sounds, it was actually quite hard because I, again, growing up in that environment, I wasn't granted the grace to feel, um, to feel like an advocate for myself. I wasn't allowed to feel like I was being done wrong. I wasn't allowed to stand up for myself. Um, so it, as soon as I got free of my family and had that freedom to actually feel what had been done to me and feel the ramifications of it and see not only how it impacted me, but how it impacted my now husband and um, the family we were creating and my friends, um, I became very angry for a while. I was very angry. Um, I felt cheated out of a lot of time. I felt cheated out of timelines where I thought that if I had had different resources and different um, structures in place, I could have been in a different place in my life um, and that I could have been doing better for my family. Um, so that was really hard. Um, so I had to, again, I had to go through the anger part. And luckily for me, I um, experienced group therapy, and that was a really, really big, um, really big deal breaker. Um, and as far as like how I looked at my trauma, because it became a place where I was free to talk about my trauma, and I was free to talk about how I felt about it, and I was free to talk about how unfair it was. Um, and it wasn't it was in an environment where I didn't feel like I was bringing somebody down or scaring somebody with the details or um, I didn't feel like I had to edit myself. And that was so um, much of like a freeing gift. And I'm, I'm still so grateful for my experience with group therapy just because um, having other people hold that space for me and not only just hold the space and listen to the, to the sometimes details and, you know, just the heaviness that I, you know, had to like let out of myself. Um, they would also encourage me that I wasn't the only one that went through something like that. And um, that I wasn't the only one that, you know, was now making a different decision than their family. So that gave me a lot of hope because for a while, it was scary to make the decision to go into therapy and to pursue healing and recovery because I didn't have any role models that showed me what that looked like. I didn't know what that looked like or could look like. So having other people kind of speak into me and say, you know what, you're on the right path. Just keep taking the next right step. That was really big. Um, so again, acceptance kind of came in waves and through, through my process in, in both individual and group therapy, I was able to, except that what happened to me happened. I couldn't change it and it wasn't my fault. That was my next phase that the shame that I had felt my whole life, I didn't have to feel anymore. I didn't have to carry that around with me um, because I didn't do anything wrong. So that was the next phase. And I wish I could say that that was just a an aha moment. And I, I felt that way ever since, but um, it's been a few years now since, again, I've been no contact and, and really pursuing recovery. And I still have days where shame hits me or regret hits me. And I have to take a step back and really evaluate what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and where I'm at now and, and what I have accomplished and, and come through. So um, acceptance to me, I think is just going to be a part of my journey for a while. Um, and I don't know if that's unique to me or if that's unique to trauma <laughs> or how it is, but it, I, again, I wish it was one of those things where it was just, I have one moment and ever since then it's just <laughs> been sunshine and rainbows, but it's definitely going to be a journey like most things with this. Can, can I just yes. add, add cool. something? <laughs> Shelly, I so, so resonate with what, with what you're saying. And I remember and, and the, the acceptance business, as you say, is so layered. And way down the line, um, about probably seven years ago, I was working in this parish, uh, living in, in, in church house, and I'd got the radio on. I think it was classic FM, which I don't know if you, if you have in America, but it's, it's sort of like a, a classical music uh, <laughs> channel. Right. And they I suddenly heard these this announcement and my ears sort of picked out 
you know, when the Holy Spirit is at work, either with ears or eyes, you know, you, you hear and you perceive something. And cutting a long story short, it was about a thing called the Truth Project, which was about um, uh, abuse survivors actually, you know, sending in and then, you know, giving evidence to this thing. And I just felt moved to, to do it. So I actually finished up traveling about an hour and a half away to a center. I think you had to send some details first. Or no, you spoke to somebody. They were very, 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 very good, very supportive. And I'd never, it sort of helped me accept that this was real, that this was happening all over, and I needed to put my voice into the picture. Wow. Because I'd been silenced, and really I was still silenced at that at that point. And yeah. I think it was after that that the I I sort of broke my silence. There's um there's a movement in relation to abortion, um, which is called Silent No More, and people who have had abortions have been speaking out, and um, and I was part of some work, you know, in relation to um you know standing with people who'd had abortions or you know standing against abortion and um it just felt a bit like that very strange very wonderful experience of actually having total strangers being very gentle and kind to you and uh, i mean I, I you know i i have to have a gluten free diet and you know things like that and i yes so well, so yes. <laughs> I thought, yes, I could, I could underline that, Shelley. You know that feeling of oh grief, it's not stopped. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, but I have to say, I am, I now, I just cling to the cross and I say, right, Lord, I'm going to embrace this, and in you, you're going to lift me. Well, and let's talk a little bit about that. I think the next thing that that when we talk about acceptance, um, we want to also talk about. Like, what is the thing that helped? What is the thing that was, you found pathways, you know, to hope and healing? I think we're kind of talking about it. You, you know, Marina, you're saying that the, the spiritual aspect of it, but could you walk a little bit more about, you know, you know, what, what is it that has helped you, given you hope? When the man I was living with didn't want to marry me, and I was in this terrible situation at work where I just you know didn't know how I was going to continue I was crying on the bed and I heard my name now I didn't have God the word God in my vocabulary because I hadn't been in the church he'd led me in a sense out of the church because I just I blamed the church for you know what had happened to me and um, which is ridiculous I know that now but you know that's that was the situation. So I'd been in education really very, very successfully. And I know that God was with me because there were times in lessons or in situations, you know, I would just be inspired by, you know, something to say or a, a different understanding. So I knew God was with me, um, but I certainly wasn't in the church. And, and so it was when he called my name, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to pray all those years. I, 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 something in me prayed, but I didn't consciously know. So it was that mystery of being brought back into the church because when he called my name, something in me was given courage. And then I started to see things happen that I hadn't made happen for my benefit. And then because I was baptized, I suppose, I wanted to thank this thing. I couldn't ignore it because somebody was being kind to me. And um, so I started to go to a church. So that's really got, that started it. And then I, I really did try at this first church, but I couldn't, I couldn't link in with their attitude to, you know, the, the, the way they thought. So I then went to a church in the next village and that was a, a very evangelical, charismatic Anglican church. And um, and so I was there for about three years until I was then led into the Catholic church because they had more Eucharists. And then I eventually became an Orthodox. But, you know, 
I really, but you know, once I was in the church, I was really being led by the Holy Spirit. Mm. I can't say that I was, I mean, I was being changed all the time, you know. Um, but I, you know, Shelley, I just have such compassion for you. That must have been an awful thing, you know, because, you know, it's like, well, God, where were you? You know, I mean, I, I say that anyway. But for you in your situation, dear heart. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I that. yeah and maybe, maybe, Shelly, you can also talk about what, what is it that helped? Uh, what is it that gave you, 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 and you kind of mentioned a little bit about groups that you were in and, and mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, foundationally for me what is my biggest you know pathway to just hope and recovery is the fact that I have my husband and my two kids because they give me the opportunity um to have the life that I didn't have growing up so um having them uh I'm trying not to get emotional because thinking about them always makes me emotional but just having them is the biggest opportunity that I could have been given and the biggest blessing and gift um because again I Every day that we get together, I have I have choices. You know, I can fall into old patterns and habits of what I saw growing up, or I can create something new. And I have an amazing partner and my husband who is always supportive and, and willing and ready to do something new with me. And um, I'm just grateful for that. And my kids are the most resilient and beautiful kids and when I slip up and I apologize, they always are there to offer grace. And it's just, it used to, um, it used to, again, it, it, and sometimes on bad days, it'll bring me that feeling of shame of like, oh God, like I messed up again. But I, the mess ups are an opportunity to build closeness and connection and trust in my, in my relationships with my kids. Because if I walk away from my mess up and I don't acknowledge it, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching them something, um, whether I'm actively doing it or not, I'm teaching them something. But when I sit down and I, and I face the mess up and I say, Hey, I, I lost my cool. You know, I, I was in my own head. It had nothing to do with you. And I, you know, no excuse, but I, I should have handled it better. And I'm really sorry. Having those tough conversations and awkward moments has actually made it so that the four of us are really close as a family mm -hmm. unit. And, my kids are actually really good at apologizing to each other when yeah. they when they start bickering and getting on each other's nerves. So that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, um, yeah, and Woo! Uh, <laughs> exactly. So there's always that there's always that hope of change. And aside from them, um, what helps me to kind of stay grounded and stay hungry for recovery and you know just active in my recovery is art and creativity. Um, yeah reading and writing and I'm just I'm very passionate about um journaling and, and getting all of my thoughts and feelings out on paper um that really grounds me in a big way and um the other thing that I want to mention is just community and sharing my story and kind of circling it back to NAMI um outside of group therapy the the opportunities that I've had in NAMI with the you know in your own voice presentation and just the other opportunities that I you know I have had um it's been so healing to share my story not in a way that is seeking sympathy or you know recounting hits but empowering myself and empowering other people it's been so healing and so good for me and I think good for my kids to see so um that's a really big thing for me so I try and stay in in rooms where I can do that where I can where I can actively share my my story of hope and recovery because it reminds me of how far I've come and it also connects me with people who are so strong and resilient and give me hope. So it's just, it's kind of like a circle and I love it. Yeah, I, I so agree with you. I so agree with you. And I, I'm finding, I think I said this to Edward when we spoke before, I just find it so encouraging that God is raising up so many people to, to like him, but us who are able to speak out and and you know witness to his grace i mean that you you're a living 
you're like a living church in your home you know because you're bringing you know the light of love you know the humility of of repentance you know they are learning so much that is good and beautiful and true and is going to take them into life Hmm. thank you i love that thank you that's beautiful (laughs) that is i mean uh, this is a great opportunity maybe to plug um, that Shelly will be teaching an introduction to journaling in person on the 23rd of February. So uh, this will come out, hopefully, this will come out before this uh, 23rd of February. So if you want to sign up, you can go to our website, anamioc.org. And um, another thing, I mean, Shelly, I mean, <clears throat> you've mentioned this about journaling and it kind of like your coping strategies. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could touch on a little bit because you know you did such a wonderful presentation on resilience, and I know that 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 kind of maybe ties in a little bit to coping strategies. Could you talk a little bit about like like kind of maybe a little brief touch on on that that topic of of like uh, walking through walking through that? Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, resilience has been a really powerful and impactful tool because to me, what it is, is a choice. Um, It's looking at everything that I've been through, that I've walked through, and that I still deal with because of those things and not saying, woe is me, not saying, oh man, I'm going to sit down and just really like see how I'm weighed down by all of these bad things that I can't change. It's looking at them and seeing like, wow, I've survived a lot like that's that's pretty powerful that I've gotten through all of that and I must have some really big strengths and skills that whether I'm aware of them or not I I can lean into that and I can cultivate that and I can use that for my for my um moving forward and my strengths and so for me resilience has been really powerful because I it it's night and day for me before I started choosing to look at myself as a resilient person and act as a resilient person I was stuck in a victim mentality I was stuck in a victim mindset and again that just woe is me things just happened to me and at me kind of thing and nothing was getting better for me in that mentality but as soon as I kind of took on that like warrior resilience mentality of you know what, it happened, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to run with it, and I'm going to, I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going to use it to my advantage, and I'm going to, I'm going to turn it into a skill and into a strength. Um, That's really positioned me to a place of actually feeling confident for the first time in my life and feeling a place or being in a place of actually having, um, going back to acceptance, acceptance of myself for once in my life, and not just acceptance of myself, but like having respect and self love um, for the first time ever, which is a crazy concept. So um, resilience to me is something that I, I could talk about all day. And I it's one of my favorite topics, just because I think all of us are so resilient. And even if you don't think you are, even if I could ask you a few questions, we could uncover it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. And that's why I think it's so fun. It's um, all of us have skills and strengths that we can lean into and cultivate if we choose to. And if we choose to give ourselves that grace and see ourselves as resilient warriors instead of, you know, victims of circumstance. So that's. Can, can, I, just, can, I, tell, can I share with you? I've got a, um, a, a nurse friend who came to the church I was working in, um, oh, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, and we've kept in touch. She was a sort of evangelical, charismatic, orthodox as well. And we are sort of a, a strange breed. And um, as you will know, if you know your, your uh, theology, <laughs> right. Um, so I, I've got a book of God's promises and she has a she she for years with her mother used to write out Bible verses and cut them up and put them in a big box, big bag basket. So if I if I say, look, you know, can you give me a verse? She'll pray and then she'll pick out a verse. Now I haven't got anything like that. The thing I did have, somebody has got it and not yet returned it. So, but I have this book of promises. So I pray to the Lord. I say, Lord, you know, what what does she need? 
And this is what he gave her the other day. She's at the end of a very, very, very long period of time, really being abused in the hospital system in Greece. I mean, it's it, it's really very abusive. And she's on her own, and the pay is absolutely terrible, much worse than in, very much worse than in America and worse than in Britain. Anyway, this was the verse that God gave me. So this is really, really what you're saying, all right? But in, in the verses, the words of 1 Corinthians, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the price, prize. And that's, that's, I mean, you can see it on your face. <laughs> you know, that's what you were doing. And then today, because she'd, um, this is her last day at work, um, I, ha I said, you have to keep choosing to trust and believe and act in Christ. And this is what I've been led to. I also had was led to keep journaling. So I've got journals going back to 1990, um, you know, all sorts of things, some of them in French because I was in Switzerland for a period of time. So, you know, and I, and I said, this is when our faith has to come in. We cannot keep allowing the world, the flesh, or the devil to defeat us. Mm. And that's that's really, you know, what you're saying. You the the resilience. It's like this is what I've got. I've got it through. You know, your your you were you were baptized as a child. You know, you are alive in Him. Does does that ring bells, or does do you feel that you're not able to speak that language? Oh no, that definitely rings bells. Still, that definitely All still right. resonates. All right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Marina, Marina, you're kind of touching. You've you've already touched on a lot of these things. On what um, you know, I'm going to ask right now because I I wanted to bring up that subject of resilience because I know Shelly yeah. can speak on that. Very but good. But can you can you can you also speak on maybe the, is there other coping mechanisms that you that you do? I know you, you're talking about the spiritual aspect, the praying, the the Bible verses. Are there other coping mechanisms that you you've worked through? Well, I I really have to live in the now. I refuse. In fact, I gave somebody today, and she's just coming after seven years. She's just starting to face the fact that she has really not come out of her mourning at all. So I got her to to stretch out her right hand. I said, "Right, that's the future." I said, "Now will you stretch out your left hand?" So she stretched us out, and I said, "How does that feel?" She said, "It feels very uncomfortable." So I said, "Well, it would do." Because you can't live in the past and the future. But if you bring your hands together <laughs> and live in the now, God will guide you. And so that's, in that sense, that's been my resilience. Just saying, all right, I'm not going to go into all the windmills of the mind. I'm not going to be controlled by the windmills of the wine mind. I'm going to trust that you are with me because you've said that you are. And I'm going to pray and tell me now what I have to do. And that's so I live in the now, yeah. you know. And sometimes it's um, it feels fairly dodgy because sometimes he wants me to be still. Still, <laughs> you know. And um, so and wait, and you know, for me. And I say this with great love. He has brought me into the church I'm in, into the Orthodox Church, um, because you know I'd been told it was this and that and the other, and you know I, I thought this was the way to you know to all truth. But actually dealing with you know the masculine authority. And the lack of compassion in some places. I mean, I've got a very good spiritual father. But the structures, and maybe the structures of all the churches, really, we, we need to pray, Shelley. We need to pray. We need to pray, all of us, 
for right authority, for the words of St. Paul to live in the hearts, you know, that in Christ there's neither male nor female, Greek nor Jew, you know, north nor south, whatever, American or British, <laughs> it doesn't matter. In Christ. And that's why, you know, for me, to live for Christ is, to live is to live for Christ and and to die is gain. Yeah. Nobody can make me afraid of dying. I've done it before. I, I did it when I was nine. And um, so I know that's not very sort of ordinary thinking, but the, the, the essence of it in terms of resilience is that like St. Paul says, so I do hang on to these words, you know, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I see that in Shelley. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and that's a, that's a sense of hope. That's a sense of hope. Yeah, and I think that absolutely that that kind of ties into the last part. We're gonna I know we're getting we can probably talk more and more <laughs> about about where where we're at because it's, you both are so you know, very interesting and engaging and um but i wanted to, to just kind of talk about what what's next what what are our hopes or dreams or successes what are the things that um you know that that we we see for the future for um you know marina you you you've kind of been been touching on this right now for a while, but I want to maybe Shelly, can you talk about about that? What like what is what is next? Like what is the the things that your your successes, your hopes, your dreams? Yeah. Um. Well, I, I hate to just keep going back to Nami. I swear I'm not just trying to plug, but just the fact that I have the opportunities that I do um, to share my story and to share my coping skills and my um the things that I'm passionate about. I'm really excited for this journaling forum or this journaling um. I don't know what the word I'm blanking on the word um, session that's coming up. I'm very excited um, for that time to share um, because again, journaling is just something that has been such a lifesaver for me and I've seen how impactful it can be in others' lives. So that's something I'm very much looking forward to. I'm looking forward to sharing more on resilience um, in the future. And um, I, I just really love being in the mental health community and being able to give back in any way. So whatever, you know, that looks like opportunity wise to, to kind of give back and get involved as a peer support specialist, that that's something that's exciting to me. Um, and I just on a personal note, I'm definitely still working on some writing projects that have to do with not only um, my story and, you know, how I, how I got through what I got through and where I'm at now, but um, just resilience as a whole and how it can speak to all of us, um, as well as some poetry projects. So I'm just really excited to just keep leaning into creativity and healing um, through writing and sharing my story. So um, I'm just, I'm excited for those opportunities. That was wonderful. wonderful. That's great. What Marina? Tell us about your your successes, your hopes, your dreams. Well, there are two two books that I've just been prompted to start, and um, I've set the publication date in November, so it's sort of like you know they call it backward engineering, I think. But anyway, so I have started them, and um, well, the, the Holy Spirit has started both of them, and and then I've been given tools. One is a novel, but the what the Lord wants in it is the issue of will. Um, and, you know, well, it will come out um, where the will is and what the will is going for, towards. So, I mean, both of, both of us have talked about the fact that, I mean, we haven't talked about it in those terms, but, you know, we have a will for good. We have a will to change the the, the darkness into light. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's the one. And the other is is um, uh, about um, 
changing dra trauma death to new life in integrity. So that's more like um, um, an analytic story um, and recognizing both, you know, the grounded aspect um, and God's provision. So it will have both aspects because I have now been on trauma courses and I understand more about trauma and, you know, and I know all the, you've got a lot more in America than we have over here. Um, but there are some very, very good, there's a, a wonderful um, Jamaican man who was traumatized by his, by his multiple mothers and one father and the, the attitude of the father. I mean, it's very difficult. That, that was what actually set, set his trauma interest going. And then he came to Britain and he's, he's doing amazing work. Um, so there are people in Britain, but it, I know there are a lot, lot more um, in, in America. Um, so I am looking at, you know, I am being invited to get involved in knowing more. But like um, Shelley was saying, it's, it's the creative things that I'm, I mean, I'm just about to uh, launch a... Um, Art, art, art exhibition called Create, Creation with Intent. So it's not my my work. It might be a bit of my work if I can get it finished. But it, other people in the area I live, which is which is not a, a posh area, not you know, it's not a middle class you know well to do, and there's probably an awful lot of abuse and things behind closed doors in this area. So um, that, that that's about to come out that come come about. And then, you know, just I want to be free to move in the spirit. And I'm not sure that I want to carry on with all my online work. So I'm just pursuing it at the moment. Um, but it's, I'm not good at selling things, you know. And uh, I, I don't know. I, there are things I have to learn. Is it, is it because I'm ashamed still? Is it because I don't, you know, feel it's worthy? I don't know. I don't know. That's up to God, and I, but I'm willing for Him to lead me. But I am. I do have. Um, I just have a sense of knowing that He is taking me. Yeah. So that's my hope. That's my hope that He was with me. He will be with. He is with me, and He will be with me. So you know. Um, yeah. It's just about growing in that trust and today i felt moved to pray for my for my own work and i have never done that before well that that is inspiring i mean to know uh at your age the, all the things that you're doing <laughs> the fact that you were able to get on zoom right now and talk mm -hmm. to us absolutely and and all the work that you're continuing it's inspiring it's encouraging wow i mean talk about things to look forward to um you know to things to aspire to uh when i when i'm uh, older because it's uh, <laughs> i'm 80 shelly <laughs> would not have guessed <laughs> i'm very well, impressed he was being um diplomatic <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you know, this has been a really special time. Again, we can probably talk about more um, issues uh, and for more more hours, but um, we want to be respectful of everybody's time. And and you are GMT time, Marina. So this is at eight o'clock at night right oh, now. So I know it's or nine o'clock now. Nine o'clock now, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's getting a little bit late. So. Um, you know, I just wanted to let everyone know, you know, there is a reason to hope. Um, you know, Marina, she's talking about the spiritual aspect. That is something that can awaken something inside of you that can help, you know, in a tremendous way for a lot of people. And I would encourage you if you feel like what she's saying is is important to look into that. And what Shelly is saying about the resilience of understanding that you have overcome certain things that you don't realize you have that strength you have that strength inside of you and it's a matter of realizing it and coming to that realization as well as um 
you know, being creative and taking the opportunity of, of, you know, doing something important like journaling and, and those coping strategies. So we can learn a lot from um, both of our guests here. I wish we can, again, talk to them longer. This is just, they're, they're so engaging. I really do appreciate their time. So I wanted to thank Marina. Thank you, Marina and Shelly for your time. Thank you for having me. Lovely yeah, meeting you, you Shelly. Yeah, lovely to meet you too. Thank you both. Definitely. Well, yes, again, if you have any questions or you wanted to get in touch with us, you can always email us at it's okay to feel at namioc.org. And also at namioc.org is all of our information about what we do at NAMI. So we look forward to seeing you on the next one. All right. See y'all later.